Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. John Robsky and Luke Johnson, co-chairs of Brownstein's Energy, Environment, and Resource Strategies Group, along with recent addition shareholder Bill McGrath, discuss how they use their experience to provide legal and legislative solutions to natural resource and environment issues. They also touch on CEQ and NEPA, as well as their thoughts on what will be the biggest energy and natural resource topics leading up to the end of the year. Welcome to the Brownstein Podcast on Energy, Environment, and Resources. This is actually a special group we're going to introduce you today, which is uh, Energy, Environment, Resources, Strategies within Brownstein, otherwise known as EARS. Uh, first, I have three guests today, and I'll introduce each one, and then we'll talk about a little bit of what you all do, and then some of the issues that you all work on, which would be great. First person we have is John Robsky, a co- one of the co-chairs of the EARS group, and is well-versed in the nuances of policy and politics that affect his clients, as well as offshore and onshore energy development and the Endangered Species Act. John has played a key role in crafting policy and shaping legislation for some of the major issues affecting energy production and natural resources in the United States. Before joining Brownstein, John served as Deputy Director of Policy and Planning at U.S. Minerals Management Service and Deputy Director for Congressional Affairs in the Secretary's Office at U.S. Department of Interior. Also, we have Luke Johnson as the other co-chair of the EERS EARS group and has extensive policy experience in both the executive branch and Congress. He provides sophisticated analysis and strategy in achieving key regulatory and legislative objectives for his clients, drawing on his background as a former chief of staff and the deputy director of the Bureau of Land Management and senior policy advisor in the U.S. Senate and U.S. House of Natural Resources. And last, Bill McGrath. He's a shareholder, previously served as a staff director for the Interior, Energy, and Environment Subcommittee of the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee, and as a legislative counsel for the Safari Club International. Some of his higher-profile work includes serving as the lead investigator into the Flint Waters Crisis, spearheading the committee's investigation in the Keystone XL Pipeline, exposing the flawed rulemaking process underpinning the clean water rule. Again, what a great team. I mean, Brownstein is very fortunate uh, that we have such a well-versed, well-tuned uh, uh, team in the energy, environment, and resources area. So why don't you, for, for just for the folks that are listening, before we talk about very specific issues, maybe either uh, Luke or, or John can talk about what what does EARS do? And I like saying that, uh, but we'll remind folks off and on, but this is again about energy, environment, and resources strategies within Brownstein. One of the ways that uh, we are different is uh, the EARS group takes a multidisciplinary approach to our representation of our clients. Um, we have uh, an extensive expertise within uh, our group, um, both in terms of a, a great depth in the executive branch, uh, senior policymaking experience, um, as you mentioned, uh, deputy director of uh, BLM and of uh, former MMS offshore and onshore. And uh, in addition, uh, members of uh, our group that are not here with us on this podcast, but uh, Larry Jensen um, a- as well. Great depth of experience in the executive branch, uh, but also in the Congress mm-hmm. and very comfortable uh, whether it's a, a legal matter or it's a policy matter in knowing and comprehending how to move the needle for our clients, uh, what that requires and, and takes to get uh, approvals for our clients in, in various different uh, projects and, and really some pretty complex issues. And oftentimes that requires a, a breadth of a skill set 
that uh, we've intentionally built this team to be able to uh, uh, be able to achieve success on behalf of our clients. John, let me ask you, this is kind of the way I would describe it is the group understands how to cut the red tape, get to the target in essence. If someone comes to us as a as a client and says, look, I'm having problems with such and such regulation. I've been, you know, tons of paperwork. I'm not even sure where to go anymore. I've lost track. I got too many people I'm dealing with. Uh, part of what this group does is say, okay, we're going to try to cut through that. We're going to find you the target person. We're going to kind of get to the core issue. And it may involve, we got to look at how we can maybe revise regulation or how to streamline the process of what they're working through, but also solve their problem. Is that kind of the, I mean, what the way Luke described it was so much in-depth knowledge we have that gives us that capacity. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, it really is. You know, the... um the way that we look at the world um, is uh, having been the formers uh, in the executive branch, we understand that uh, generally the agency and the individuals involved have an interest in trying to resolve all situations. Anything that's brought to them, they'd like to be helpful. But the truth is they don't have enough bandwidth. And so their ability to actually focus on what the actual problem is and to get the attention of the right folks in the field and the district and all the way up to D.C., including even up to the White House, is something that um, that's really a skill set that we try to bring to the clients because ultimately uh, we try to take the most pragmatic solution to try to find their problem and can do that using a lot of different tools. One of the things that John and I discovered when we both served in, in uh, at the Department of Interior together was uh, we certainly recognized how often – uh, folks with a meritorious case and good facts and good policy arguments simply were going about trying to solve the problem in the wrong way, meeting with the wrong people um, or with uh, you know pushing the wrong buttons relative to trying to get uh, policy outcomes. And John's exactly right. There is a limited bandwidth. There is only so much that policymakers and other se- senior career uh, officials at these agencies can really tackle at any one time and the ability to know and appreciate from their perspective, what do they need to hear, um, what solutions need to be brought right to their front door, and uh, how to navigate that in a way that's going to uh, make it uh, most likely that you're going to get to yes, and you're going to be able to navigate that for them. And that's part of what uh, we appreciated over time. It's part of one of the reasons this group was formulated was uh, a recognition of how often people went about that in the wrong way. Yeah, it's, you know, for all my experience from Alaska, we deal with energy, environment, resources all the time. And and it is its own uh, quagmire, the different departments, interior being one, all these different areas about how do you get through and find the right person. Uh, if you're talking about one subject matter, you may be in the wrong division, department, person, or in the case of this, in the new administration, you have a lot of people moving around trying to make sure your clients have the right contact at the right moment. It may change, literally, uh, as right. the new administrations are coming in. On top of that, I mean, you have Bill here who's kind of – he's come over from the Hill. Uh, and so there's this legislative piece also. There's a regulatory piece. But then there's this also this work that has to be done uh, at times, depending on the client, with the legislative. And, Bill, tell a little bit about how you see the, the piece – that piece fits in here and too. I, and I think that's exactly correct. We have the ability to pick which uh, – 
venue is necessary to fix the problem for a client. If some will require a regulatory solution, some require a legal solution, but if you have to, you can go that legislative route also. Right. And we have certain clients where we have different problems for a client, and one can be handled one way, one can be handled another way. And, and being able to use those tools really, I think, sets us apart from a lot of other areas. And in some cases, some clients need all three, right? <laughs> right? Legal, legislative, yeah, and uh, administration, and that is its own uh, some of these big projects clearly uh, have that. I mean, Excel is a great example uh, that had everything kind of at the fingertips. Everything had to be deployed in order to move that project in some form or another. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the delays in that project or eight years still hasn't been built. Right. They may not even have buyers for the pipeline. It was delayed so right. so long at this point. And um, I, I think it was done not with clean hands, but right. um, we're getting there now. Uh, but they've had to spend through, through a legislative a ton of money trying to navigate that system. Right. Well, let's let's talk about now um, knowing about the group, and I think that's good because a lot of our listeners haven't heard really about the group as a group. We've heard about subject matter, so let's get right into some subject matter. And there's one good thing about this subject: there's plenty uh, to talk about. And uh, the two that I lead off with is kind of the CEQ, uh, which is a Council on Environmental Quality, which some people wonder if it is in fully staffed anymore or not. There's a lot of debate about that, what's going on. Then you also have uh, the NEPA process, which in itself, you know, there's a tug of war all the time, right? You know, a few years ago during the transportation bill, they shortened up the NEPA process for projects under $10 million to kind of streamline those road projects, which, you know, and actually, if you asked any big city or even moderate sized city, a road or a state, a $10 million road project is nothing anymore. So it didn't do as much as people wanted, but it was a start. But tell us in this environment we're in right now where we have Republican Congress, Republican uh, president and administration, how do you see those two issues? Let's start with CEQ, which is again is a Council on Environmental Quality, which, you know, give us what's the status of that and do they have really any teeth anymore? And if so, what is it? If not, what, if anything, will take its place? So the White House Council on Environmental Quality uh, presently is without a chair. Having said that, they have uh, oversight over the application of NEPA throughout uh, uh, the federal agencies. And one of the things that I think is recognized and is a policy priority relative to this administration is this uh, idea that uh, there really is a, a myth that the length of an environmental process equates to good environmental outcomes. That simply is, is <laughs> not, not true. Yeah, that's not true. Um, the fact of the matter is – Only that... wine is good over time. <laughs> Let's be clear on all that. And a good brandy and maybe, you know – sorry, go ahead. <laughs> the, the, again, the fact of the matter is uh, those things are, are not equivalent. It, there's no better environmental outcome if one takes 10 years to process a, a, a long, lengthy process associated with – uh, with NEPA. And, and there's a, a growing recognition that there's a whole host of efficiencies and a whole host of streamlining that can take place where one is not uh, sacrificing uh, environmental outcomes. And still at the same time, uh, people are often intimidated from proceeding with um, uh, with uh, various different projects because they're concerned about uh, environmental uh, approvals. In fact, in many cases in the past, we've had clients that have hired us with the intent largely of avoiding any federal hook uh, to proceed on a particular project. Mm -hmm. um, and in this case, 
um, there is a, uh, a country that's hungry for infrastructure, hungry for new projects, and uh, we found that certainly to be the case. And, and this actions actions that have been taken by CEQ and actions that have been taken by the Department of Interior that indicate a uh, desire to uh, look for solutions that can get projects permitted in a much quicker time frame are uh, – really have stimulated a lot of discussion and a lot of uh, desire for clients to, to proceed into that space. Is there any slow um, – I'm not sure what the right phrase or words to use here, but is there any slowing down of the process while they're trying to figure out staffing and all that over there? Or is it kind of still moving along? And is there any specific industry that's feeling the pinch right now uh, because of some of the staffing issues there? Or is it just kind of nor- – that's – business as usual and we just got to keep pushing along or you know the administration clearly is uh has been trying to get up to speed they've got a number of nominees throughout these various agencies that uh, uh are still trying to move through the process there's other agencies where we don't even have a nominee yet um including ceq as you're pointing out but I think for the most part, these environmental agencies we're talking about, EPA, mm-hmm. Interior, Forest Service, Army Corps of Engineers, CEQ, the, there are a lot of senior folks in place. And so a lot of the work is getting done. I, I'm pretty confident in that. Um, you know, one of the things you did talk about, though, uh, Republicans in charge of everything, mm-hmm. it leads some to believe that you can just pick up the phone if you know the right one and get to the right conclusion. And We've seen some high-profile fails mm-hmm. uh, that are pretty public of folks who are or have some relationship with the president and believe that placing that phone call was going to lead to success of their project. And one of the real lessons we think we have learned over our time is this process is too complex. Right. It doesn't matter all the time who the politicos are. You still have regulators who are moving the machinery and who's ever at top – is sometimes relevant but not as relevant when the machinery is moving and that's where – and if I can put some words in your guys' mouth and that is that's where the ears group really plays a significant role at least on the administration side is knowing those right players who might be career regulators and going to them and saying, OK, here's our problem. How do we solve this or how can we get the yes and getting the right kind of advice or at least direction from them versus – waiting for the Politico, who might spend six months just getting up to speed with the department. And knowing that the organizational chart <laughs> can change. <laughs> looks one way on paper but acts right. another way in practice. Right. And being able to actually understand who matters versus what the organizational chart, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that's taken a long right. time. And, and because every appointee comes to uh, those jobs with varying different backgrounds, they don't all have equal capacity. Some are going to be significantly more influential within their their uh, departments, uh, have greater capacity to get things done. And again, if one appreciates the fact that there is that limited capacity, knowing and understanding what to present and what to put in mm-hmm. front of them and to maximize the likelihood that you're going to succeed on behalf of a client, um, an appreciation of some of uh, what the world looks like from those chairs, mm-hmm. I think is part of what we bring to the table and, and part of what we uh, kind of bring to bear on behalf of clients. 
Because we have uh, not only folks like yourself that work in Washington, we have a, a, a you know, Brownstein has a large contingency of lawyers who work on a lot of literally just regulation, not necessarily in the in the policy end, but writing agreements, doing water agreements, all those kinds of things. Do you think because the, the, the situation we're in now that there's going to be more uh, groups who oppose the streamline who might be suing, which again, from the people who come to us for advice, who come to us to figure out how to make it through this process, we also can augment that with the legal advice too by the actions they take, making sure they don't set themselves up for a lawsuit. I mean, I, I think of Excel as a great example. I mean, there was a project that actually, you know, there's already one going to Chicago, basically the same kind of line, but this got into court suits, which may not have been a legislative issue. But was a court suit. So, so the capacity of Brownstein is not only that, that kind of Washington DC machinery, but it's also to sit with a client and go, you know, here's what we want to not do because we don't want to get ourselves into a court situation, which could delay this even more. Is that a fair? I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll turn to Bill. I don't know if you want to. Yeah. I think that the, well, it's hard for the, some of the environmental groups who are very hardcore on this to file any more lawsuits. Right. They've been <laughs> so yeah. powerful right. on that for a long Especially time. Especially on XL, right? XL, yeah. that, that one's going to got its course. But, but it is the tool that's left in the toolbox at this point. Right. When you can't go to the administration to get something fixed, you're going to use litigation, use investigor, mm-hmm. investigation techniques to try and delay things till another election or whatever you can do to slow things down. And, and you're going to see that on a lot of projects as they move forward. You've seen some already. Yep. But it is something that people have to plan for as they're they're building a strategy. We see a lot of clients who work through the permitting process already starting to build their legal strategy during that time frame because if you don't, the other side is who's going to sue you has been building that case right. the entire time through the record. So it's something you really should be planning for during the permitting process. And again, it's a it's a skill set that we have within the EARS group. It's not just we can get to Washington, D.C., we can deal with regulators, but there's also this other element that we have to always keep in mind because these are always legislative, regulation, and legal. That all mixed together. And we have one of the greatest attorneys in the country in this issue space. Larry Jensen, as Luke pointed out earlier, was the former general counsel at EPA. He was the deputy solicitor at Interior and um, is widely regarded as a uh, keen legal mind. And when we incorporate Larry into projects, what we really do is try to make sure that the actions that both the client and working with the agency to make sure everything is legally defensible there we so go. that on your end, because as you said, a permit's not worth anything if you're going to lose in court. That's right. And we saw it up at, on the OCS in Alaska when exactly. they did, they rushed it and then got sued and the whole process had to restart as an example where the front end work makes a big difference in having Absolutely. that legal person from the team just listening in, in essence, may not be really doing anything other than saying, make sure when you do that request, it's done this way or that way. Is that a fair Understatement on that. Exactly. And it really underscores the what we have found, that idea of that multidisciplinary approach of where you really are uh, not just looking at things through the prism of, of 
uh, uh, policy lenses, mm-hmm. but perhaps from the policy side, from uh, the legal side, and and again, knowing and appreciating even from how is Congress going to react to this, and and uh, those various different uh, aspects, and that's part of the idea of that breadth of approach relative to these specific sets of issues that um, I think are are really key to being able to succeed. Let me ask you, kind of closing out each one of you, this question, and that is. You know, here we are in, you know, toward the end of the year. You know, people think it's, it's September and, and from our calendars, we think of this as the end of the year. Uh, people think of December as the end of the year, but in the pol- politics of this system here, we can already see the CR, the budgets, the, you know, the debt ceiling, all, already things moving and we're already in the, you know, we can visualize already November, right? A lot of people don't see that, but between now and the end of the year, maybe the first part of next year, each one of you, what do you think in in the work that you're doing, what is going to be that issue that's going to be uh, – if we were to say to a client, here's something we want to have you keep an eye on and we're going to keep an eye on it for you because we know it's impactful to you. What would be that issue that really triggers maybe regulatory or legislative or something that's outside of it but may trigger something within. You know, in Alaska, we always say it's the price of oil that we care about. So, But, you know, that has an impact investment and so forth. But uh, and and maybe what I'll do is I'll, I'll just kind of go around the room here. I'll start with John. Uh, and, you know, what is that issue? So if a client said to you. Well, I, I'll tell you the, the guidance on NEPA and uh, uh, the streamlining process, how that gets implemented is one that we will be watching very closely because the impact, um, you know, Luke talked about the length of time. It's also the length of pages. Anyone who <laughs> swears they've read a 2,500 environmental impact statement is a very rare individual. Right, I right. I would guess most decision makers have not. Right. They don't take it home for a weekend reading. Right. It's, it's pretty right. dry. So that process of streamlining, which could also be, if they don't do it right, they could actually get themselves in a quagmire, how they write that streamlining Absolutely. process. Absolutely, and how the courts react. Yeah. Um, because when you do put the limit on uh, the amount that goes in there, how do the courts react? But that's right. certainly something that – there is a ton of interest as a number of people. There's been, a, as you know, a pent up demand for people who want to do economic activities on That's public right. lands, and uh, uh, there's been a, a big attraction to can we get this done in that amount of time? And so, mm-hmm. watching how the agencies actually choose to implement this guidance is going to be very interesting. Luke, just kind of piggybacking on uh, what John said, I completely agree when it comes to. There's been a lot of dialogue and discussion from the beginning of this administration and a fair amount of uh, bipartisan agreement relative to infrastructure. Mm-hmm. One of those things that overlaps and intersects when it comes to uh, federal policymaking certainly is, well, when it comes to these infrastructure projects, how do you get them done in a timely way? That is one that, again, we hear a lot from clients. Certainly, there has been a number of other high-profile big things that have kind of pushed infrastructure to the side a little bit relative to what's going on on the Hill. But it's certainly uh, the administration has not waited relative to that particular issue. There are executive orders and then uh, the uh, directives that are coming from the agencies themselves in terms of picking that up and trying to figure out how to get some of these infrastructure projects permitted in a much more timely way. And, and that really 
again, below the surface of some of these high profile issues from healthcare to debt ceiling to tax reform, all of these things that really capture the, the headlines. But beneath that, there's really a thirst for moving ahead uh, relative to infrastructure. And again, I think a bipartisan recognition uh, out there that, that there's a real need uh, to do so. And Bill, what do you think the the uh, the hot button? Yeah, I think that so from over the last year, one of the biggest successes has been through the Congressional Review Act, review uh, reversing some of the regulations that have happened, and you've seen kind of a pause now since the time period for Congressional Review Act right. is over. But I think the next step you'll see is towards the fall and into next year, a lot of actual rewriting of some of the. Uh, big ticket regulations mm-hmm. in the EPA and interior that has been going on behind the scenes for the last few months that may become public. Some of the, the clean power plan, the waters, the United States rule, um, and some of the oil and gas regulations, the methane regulations, and those sort of things that couldn't get done through the uh, the Congressional Review Act will probably start to come out as the draft regulations, and that will be something to watch to see how far uh, Administrator Pruitt and Secretary Sinking are willing to go on some of those. And if I can kind of summarize, again, the, the group, the EARS group, which, again, has a broad spectrum of talent and assets you can draw on to work on all these issues. The other piece that's important, especially for the clients to recognize, because this is a very complex area, you have multiple layers that you have to kind of work all the time, is at the end of the day, the goal of the work that we do here at Brownstein and your your group specifically is how do you get that group that comes to you, that client says, we have a project, we have an issue, because usually these regulations or what they're working on relates to a project, an economic development project in some form or another. And part of our job is how to figure that out so they can get that project online, which in return, basically, uh, the longer the delay is, the more it costs. So the quicker we can get in there with clients early enough to understand what they're doing makes a huge benefit for them at the back end. Is that a fair assessment? It does, and and certainly we have found one of the things that that we work on relative to those kinds of projects is the ability not only to interface with uh, in Washington D.C., but also in in many cases it does require uh, interaction out in the the state uh, and the field office uh, for some of these agencies to ensure that there's a comprehension at uh, really even at at that level uh, what the objectives are and and that you're working really the whole chain of command in terms of that. From the ground up. Absolutely. Again, to John, Luke, Bill, thank you very much. What a great team. And I know we're just seeing a piece of the team today. So those people that are listening, there's more to it. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time today to tell us a little about what you all do and some of the, the hot issues. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. Visit www.bhfs.com for more information. 